0: Hey everyone, welcome to the Made It In Music podcast. Today we're talking with Sam Tanez about his journey in the music industry and major success in sync licensing. He's a gold selling artist with hundreds of millions of streams on Spotify and multiple film and TV placements with songs such as Play With Fire and Legends Are Made. This was recorded at our 2022 Music Makers Bootcamp here in Nashville, Tennessee. This is an immersive experience where you get to learn directly from music industry professionals and connect with other high-level music makers. If you want more information about our upcoming Music Makers Bootcamp, head to musicmakersbootcamp.com. For now, let's dive into the episode. Hey everybody, give it up for Sam Tonnes. As you can see, <laughs> the man, the myth, the legend. Hey guys, it's awesome. Dude, thanks for being here, man. Yeah, no problem. Uh, Sam has been a friend of mine for a little while now, and we're going to focus on writing songs for film and TV, which is something that Sam has absolutely crushed in. So before we jump too far into that, um, I I just just kind of a little plug for Sam. He He won't do this, but he's got a new record coming out, and the first single from that record comes out actually this Friday. So before you get done with this session, go pre-save it on Spotify and all that stuff. It's a really good song, killer new record. He's, he's put a lot of blood, sweat, and tears into, and we've had the privilege of working on some of it together. So, um, Why don't you take us back to the beginning, man? Tell us, tell us a little bit of your journey because you weren't like that, that, reel, that reel that we saw, that three-minute reel of just movie gloriness and the advertisements. That wasn't always you. Like You didn't start there. What was the path to getting there?
1: Yeah, so um, you know, like a lot of you guys, um, you know, I started doing music in school and also church and things like that, and I, um, I kind of like came up being the singer and you know, and starting bands and all that kind of thing. But the problem with it is I kept feeling like I was dragging everybody with me, you know, just dragging people along with me. And I'm sure you guys, if you're here, that means you take initiative and, you know, you put in the effort to come and learn about things. And it's like, when you're that person, you know, when people are around you and you're trying to build a thing, it's like it's so hard to pull people who are not on your level with you, you know, even when you're young, when you have that drive and that desire. And so it was uh, it was kind of annoying for a while just trying to find people who are in the same mindset, you know, and um, I eventually headed to Belmont um, University in Nashville and uh, and went there. And um, I was a part of a band. I was I played guitar in a and like a Christian rock band called Mike's Chair. And um, and I did that for a while. And um, did two records with them, and um, we toured any chance we could. We signed a record deal, like, we did the whole thing. And I thought, man, like, this is the peak, like, this is the thing, you know? And then once I got in it, it was just so much work and so much. Um so much touring and all that, and I wasn't making any money, really. I mean, maybe making $600 a month, which is not enough to pay bills. Um, my poor wife, uh, she was, you know, she had her master's degree in, um, in teaching and thankfully had a really great job. And she, she supported us for a while, for at least the first four years of marriage when I was trying to do this whole band thing. And so when I quit that... I looked at her and I was like, I'm going to start another band. And she's like, no, you're not. She's like, you're, <laughs> like, you're going to figure out a way to make money. <laughs> and I was, so I was like, okay. And so I started writing Christian music for a while and I wrote for a bunch of artists like um, Natalie Grant and Mandisa, Newsboys and that whole thing. And um, there still was something in me that didn't feel like it was a, quite a fit. Like it fit me spiritually it fit me on a relational level. I love the people. The people are amazing. And, um, but it didn't fit me on an artistic level. I just felt like I had more to give. And so um, I eventually, you know, I, I started kind of working with um, this girl named Maggie, she had asked me to write some some top 40 like pop stuff with her. And I was like, okay, sure. I'm thinking, I've never written a top 40 song, but for some reason you think I can do that. Okay. Um, and so I wrote, I wrote with her, but I brought in my buddy Matt braun who was um, somebody that I was working on a record with at the time that had produced some of my older bands. He was kind of like literally the most legit producer that I knew. And um, long story short, we started doing music with her, um, and it came under the the moniker Ruel, and that's kind of what jumpstarted all the sync stuff. It was just sync after sync after sync, and I got to know what the splits were. I got to know what the format was, um, and I got to be a part of kind of like helping create that thing with her and Matt, Um, and then eventually, you know, Uh, I was like, what if I put my voice on some of this stuff? And that's kind of like, you know, what started this whole long journey of artistry for me. I was just putting it out as TV and film, but all these fans were finding it and streaming it and sharing it, and it just became a thing. And so, um, whereas I had kind of given up on that part of my life of being an artist, um, TV film was the thing that kind of revived it all and brought it back up to the surface. So that's kind of like... All of it in a nutshell.
0: (laughs) Yeah, so good. And for a lot of people out there who, they they hear sync, they hear TV and film, it kind of gets lumped all into one category. But even under the sync side of things, there's a lot of different ways of doing it. Like, y'all are going to hear, well, some of y'all who attended session are going to hear from Michael Elsner later on in this boot camp, who he 's on a completely different side of it, where he has thousands and thousands and thousands of pieces of music in libraries, and it just gets licensed but he 's not so much an artist that people recognize Sam is more of the 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 sync artist or i, I guess sync artist is not a good term but no but no, an artist totally. who does sync
1: yeah it's it's you know i think there's like different kinds of um ways to make money in sync and they all have their own path. It's like there are composers who are creating, you know, 90, 30-second pieces in different films, and those directors will go and find those people and say, hey, I need, you know, I can't remember what they're called, but it's like 90-second clips of different styles and, di- and different pieces, and they have to put that all together to make it work in a movie or a show. To me, that sounds like torture. Like, I, I could not imagine doing that. Not very fun to me. But if that's you, and that sounds like fun, that's like they do really well with that. You can get paid anywhere between, you know, $15,000 in a season or an episode, you know, two, all, all the way to like $60,000 or $100,000 to do a movie, um, to score a movie. And that's more on the compo- composing side. I'm kind of more in the side that's like the artist-centric um, side that kind of has a headspace of sync and how they're going to edit it. And so, yeah, he's right. There's like, and then there's also the library side where people literally just create a ton of songs, shove them in a library. And some of those people, they'll have, you know, one minute to put together a promo and they don't have time to clear anything, but they know in this library, they can just pull a song, drop it in and use it and the way that usually those people get paid, the people who create music for libraries are, are through the things called PROs, which are the performing rights organizations like CSAC, ASCAP and BMI. Now that those kind of that kind of money is a lot smaller because um, you know it's maybe a hundred dollars here, four hundred dollars there, you know. Um, and it's just through your PRO. Whereas like what I do, they typically come to you and they say, hey, I want to use Legends Are Made or whatever the song is. And they say, it's, you know, it's for this Fox sports thing, they have $10,000 a side, and you're like, and that means $10,000 for the publishing side, and then $10,000 for the master side, and they approach you as the artist, as the one who owns those two things, and it's more of like a, hey, we really want to use this, we hope you allow us to, and it just gives you a lot more power of what it can be used for, and for me, that's really important of, like, allowing certain things to be used with certain, like, cause there's some things I don't want to have my music associated with, um, and so, yeah, so, anyways, but yeah, you're right, there's, like, three different kind of things to do.
0: For sure. And the the type of writing that you've been successful with in film and TV, the, the one of the things that I've heard you say before is that the title is so important. Like the title, before you even write the song, the title itself has to be like ready to sing. Can you talk a little m- yeah. bit more about that?
1: Yeah, so, and I, I talk about this sometimes when I, like, with friends or other folks who are trying to get into doing more sync music. A lot of pop writers, you know, or even artists, when they write their music, they start from the verses and, and then they find their way to the hook. They kind of stumble upon the hook. And, um, you know, and that's really cool because sometimes you can fall on hooks and on songs that you would have never imagined, like, that would be the hook. You know, like, even, like, Driver's License, you know, with Olivia Rodriguez or some of these other songs where you're like, I don't think that that was, like, she brought in the title first. You know, there's just really creative songs that can happen that way. But with Sync, you know, you have an idea of what it is that you want to accomplish. So, you know, even like a song, like, I came in with um, the title, Legends Are Born, and I was thinking, okay, this will be sports, this will be anything that's, like, active, this will be anything that's, like, hard-hitting, like, they want to be a legend, you know, going down in history... And the producer in the room is like, I don't think that it's legends are born. I think it's legends are made. And I was like. Thank you so much. You saved me from a year's worth of trolls finding me on YouTube and blowing me up for, for the wrong saying. But that thing, we literally, we literally hung all of the lyrics, all of the melodies, the vibe of the track on Legends Are Made. So we're like, okay, Legends Are Made. What does that sound like? Well, it probably is like swag rock, like swagger rock, which is kind of like Black Keys, Imagine Dragons, um, kind of more rock but with synths and you know, kind of heavy hitting and then we we're like, okay, what do the verses need to be about? And it's like, okay, if the title is legends are made, well, how do you become a legend? Like, you know, how how do you get there? And it's like, you know, same thing with the bridge. It was just another it was another extension of like of becoming a legend. And I think it's really important with Sync because when editors are trying to take a song, which editors are the people that put the music into some of these places, the, the supervisor will find a song like Legends Are Made, they'll bring it into the editor, the editor will have 20, 20 minutes to an hour to, sh- to throw it in whatever they're working on, And a lot of times the title will grab them. Like if you see a a really obscure title like dolphins or something, they're like, "Oh, dolphins!" I don't know what that's about. And then they see "Legends Are Made," they're like, "Okay, Legends Are Made." Like this is a sports thing. This is a uh, an anthem maybe. And so they pull it up, they drop it in, and instantly, um, you know, they can clip any part of the song, and it's all pointing back towards "Legends Are Made." And I think that's really important to get a really solid title, really solid idea, and know kind of what it's going to go for, because um, with Sync, it's just all about the lyrics. Like, you can have an amazing singer, you can have an amazing track, but if the song is about, you know, a relationship, or it's about something, you know, something really specific, like a, a time of day, or um, it's just not going to do the thing. So, yeah, the title is like super important, and kind of, it's like everything, make, it's make or break off the title.
0: Yeah, and the cool thing with sync music is it's not it's kind of a genre in and of itself in the sense that it's not about the song. It's actually about the picture on the TV telling the story and the song is actually just propping that up, right? Yeah. And so in and of itself it's like a different mode of writing. Like you write I know from writing with you like you write way different on sessions that are for your artist stuff than you do when it's like a sync thing. So can you maybe talk about the mindset? Because I know a lot of people out there hear about sync and they're like, I want to do that. Like, it, But so much of it is just how you approach it from the front end.
1: Yeah, you know, I think um, when I'm writing an artist song, I'm thinking about um, specific experiences, my life, maybe like how do I be the freshest, the most original, like how do I differentiate myself from everything out there, the ocean of music that is Spotify. Um, That's constantly what I'm thinking about when I'm thinking about like artist stuff. But when I'm thinking about um, sync writing, I'm not trying to reinvent the wheel i 'm really not trying to be the most original you you want some you want some pieces of your fingerprint and things that make it that differentiates it from other sync stuff, but you want it to function you know you have to think of sync music as um, you know it's like you want to give somebody something that they it's honestly it's it's like Creating viral music. It's like, because viral music is just music that's set to picture really well. So, like, you see all these songs on TikTok or Twitter or Instagram Reels or whatever, and you're like, wow, that goes so well behind whatever it is that that thing is. Well, it just so happens that maybe it has the right amount of space. I think about leaving a lot of space in between lyrics, not having them be rapid fire in sync music so they can easily edit it. I think about things like um, the instrumentation. Like, sync doesn't typically like a lot of heavy guitars, like active rock guitars. So I kind of uh, stem away from that. Whereas in my, my music now, my artist stuff, there's more big guitars, there's guitar solos, but I wouldn't do that in sync, you know? and. Um, it's just a really different headspace to be in. Um, and you honestly, whenever I'm thinking about sync music, I'm thinking about how are they going to use this. And when I'm writing artist music, I'm thinking, how are you going to feel this? And so it's, it's just different, you know? And the, and the lyrics in an artist song can be sarcastic where the music is happy, uh, but the lyrics are kind of sad. But in sync, it needs to match. If it's a sad song, the music needs to feel sad. If it's, a, if it's an energetic, like, kick butt song It needs to feel that way in the music. Everything needs to match. Whereas in the artist world, there are no rules. It doesn't need to do that. But in this world over here in sync it, the, everything needs to feel like when you hear it you're like, "Oh, that makes me feel like this," you know?
0: Yeah, that's that's so well said. Having like we talk about it in our like in our songwriting mastery courses, prosody, like tying the feeling of the music in with the feeling of the lyric and making sure the melody all matches up it's so important with sync music and I do want it to be heard too that there's a lot of different types of sync music under sync like we work with a guy a good bit named Vo Williams who's like an amazing rapper and he has this really hype hip-hop stuff and it kills on sync and there's also your you know really quiet moody singer-songwriter stuff where they're like barely picking the strings on the guitar and then there's the big swag stuff. So it, it's not that you have to think in terms of, I have to make myself a different genre. It's more thinking, okay, well, contextually, what's out there? Like when you when you turn on TV, and I don't know if you, you ever did this or if you do this, but when you turn on TV, just listening with active ears to what's the music that's on TV. I'm not listening passively. I'm listening actively to see what styles are being used. And that's when you can zone in on, okay, well, I may be more thinking about the networks. Like if I listen to HGTV a lot, for example, they're probably not picking up a lot of Sam Tenez's stuff, right? I, no. I mean, not,
1: not to my knowledge. No. I mean, I'm not handy, but definitely not.
0: <laughs> but just the style of music is so different. But you might listen to that and be like, oh, I like the way that, that that sounds. It's like happy, folky, upbeat stuff. And then you might watch HBO and get stuck on, I don't know what show, what's the hot show on HBO, but you might hear that music and you'd be like, oh, that sounds like stuff that I would like to make. So it's kind of like you got to become a student of films and what the networks are doing before you can – and that helps you sort of find your place within it. Is that fair to say?
1: Yeah. I mean, I I definitely think, too, like, you know, when you're first starting out in sync and you're just trying to figure out – what to do. I mean, what's really cool is I feel like I found my voice as an artist through being um, active in sync because I was able to, like, oh, let's try like a happy, like, white dude on an acoustic guitar picking folky kind of thing, you know? Like, let's do, let's try that. And it's like, okay, let's try the like, you know, rock, you know, hard hitting intense. Let's try the uber emotional piano, um, like sad vocal sounding thing. And like, oh man, like I'm going to get my buddy to rap on this thing. And we're going to do like a hard hitting 808, like hip hop thing. And, and, um, it's cool. Cause like, I'm like, oh, okay. My voice doesn't sound very good in these places, but my voice sounds really good in this spot, you know? And I, and I'm like, maybe that's my thing. And I started going down that lane and I realized. Whereas I enjoyed my voice better in those places, other people did too. And so Sync has been a good discovery tool. It kind of like, you know, when you're doing an artist thing, you're like, I'm an artist. My music, it cannot be described. Um, You ask me what it sounds like, it sounds like nothing you've ever heard. You know, whereas, whereas I feel like in Sync, it's more like... Yeah, like let's go for that like, you know like that like American authors like I've Me the Best Day of My Life." And you're like, "Oh, let's do something like that." So then you listen to it, you listen to the instrumentation, you listen to the lyrics, how they set it up, and you kind of like you kind of like, "All right, let's do something like that." And it doesn't sound exactly like it, but it's your inspiration piece and a jump-off point. And gosh, I've heard that song in so many, you know, ads and promos and trailers and it's like if you 're not listening to that picking taking hints off of something like that you 're not doing it right you know so um, yeah well, it 's like it 's like
0: acting almost right it 's like taking on a role so if you 're like from the theater side of things like that's that 's probably a pretty good lane because you can like be, oh, you need me to play this kind of guy, great or you need me to do this role great like it 's more th- thinking that way right
1: yeah it 's definitely like acting because it 's funny because some of my friends. Um, you know, who know Maggie, who does the Ruel stuff, or know some of my, uh, like, you know, Flurry, or uh, some of these other people who do the kind of darker stuff, they're like, man, they're so happy. Like, how do they do this dark stuff? And I'm like, it's definitely an acting kind of thing. You you channel maybe a sad memory, or you channel a sad feeling, but it's, it's really just, it allows you to be someone that you're not, which is why people like acting. They get to be a character that. They're never, they never are in in real life. But that feeling of pretending to be something, exaggerating real life, like, that's part of what I love about making music is not everything is autobiographical. Not everything is about my life. And sometimes I'm just channeling maybe the human condition. You know, I'm writing a song about how it's hard to be a human, you know, And, and, and it's like, you know, like, that's not something I think about all the time, but I'm like, man, I could see that in so many different, you know, scenes like this person where someone's passing away on Grey's Anatomy or this scene where this person's dealing with lies and deceit or this person over here is dealing with being, you know, fragile and not able to do the thing that they want to do. It's like. There's just so much that you can um, imagine and and music being used for, and it it kind of widens things. Whereas an artist, you're like, well, what happened to me yesterday? Well, this guy, he cut me off in traffic, and I was really mad. And so I was like, I'm going to write a song about how I'm mad that this guy cut me off in traffic. And here we go. It's called I Hate You. You know, and it's (laughs) – but I I think, like, TV film allows you to go, like – not what what happened to me yesterday or what happened to me today, but just like, what's a cool idea? Like, what's something I could imagine being used on a trailer or, or a show? And you're like, oh, like, darkness falls. Like, oh, what would that be about? Okay, that could be like, like the scene right before when some villain kind of walks in the in the room, or you know something bad is happening to these group of characters that you really love, and you don't want something bad to happen to them, but this foreboding music is going, you know, it's nowhere to run when darkness falls, nowhere to, you know. It's Did this, you just it, write that? No, it's I have that song with my friend about. Okay. <laughs> but this is how good he is, though. He could just
0: pull that stuff out of thin air.
1: <laughs> but it's like that, that you know, and you, you imagine what it could be set to. And in imagining what it could be set to, it allows things to happen more easily. So, you know, whereas my life is not crazy dark or even crazy happy sometimes, I know that there's different shows that have needs, and you just kind of imagine yourself in those headspaces.
0: Thanks for listening to part one of this episode of the Made It In Music podcast. Head to musicmakersbootcamp.com to learn more about our upcoming Music Makers Bootcamp and check out madeitinmusic.com for more content and episodes from this podcast. See you in the next episode.